It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. Back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David. As always, I'm with my buddy Chris. Chris, uh, it's been a week since I've seen you. Have you had a good week? Yeah, pretty good week. Good weekend. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, I can't complain. Um, got a lot of good feedback from our um, interview with your buddy Mike that we did on uh, Favorite Guitars last week. I had a good time. I hope he did as well. Yeah, he was. I know he. I sent him that where where he said that Jason or he sent it to me. Jason Becker liking that tweet, and I know he thought that was really really cool because the guy was. If you listen to the podcast, you can tell what Jason Becker means to him. And uh, he's just a, just a bit, been a big fan for years of that guy. So that was cool. Yeah, that was cool. If if you don't follow us on Twitter, I just tweeted out the episode and put a link in there that um, uh, Mike told us in quotation marks a cool story about Jason Becker. It's kind of a play on words because uh, Mike was uh, in Atlanta and was receiving some guitar lessons from Jason Becker. And uh, Becker being from southern california had never seen snowfall and the snow started falling so they stopped the uh the lesson to go outside and look which i thought was really cool and kind of a unique story uh for somebody to have to share about somebody that uh that's as good as becker yeah yeah it is uh, but that was cool becker you know acknowledging us so it's always cool when anybody likes or comments oh yeah and thank you uh, mr karabi you liked uh, two of our tweets this week so uh we appreciate that um I do want to ask everybody to follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed and on um, iTunes. Subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud and uh, like our like us on Facebook. Let let everybody know about something that's going to be coming up here. Uh, I don't know when we're going to release it in the next couple of weeks. Um, last year, Chris and I went to the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville, obviously. And uh, it's a kind of just a podcast expo for, it was mainly hard rock and heavy metal uh, podcast, but there were a few there, like the Great Albums, and there was a Bruce Springsteen podcast and a, a Monkeys podcast, of all things. But Chris and I are going to be going again this year, and um, the promoters uh, are, one of the main ones is Chris Sinzak from Decibel Geek, who's been on this show and uh, who is a fan of the show, and um, anyway, they are doing a GoFundMe account to help pay for some of the offset some of the costs for putting this on because it's not cheap. 
So what they're asking is a lot of the podcasts that are going to be there to uh, offer perks to their listeners. And so uh, we're going to do that. I will be posting the GoFundMe page, and uh, we have three perks, I think. Um, one is, I think it's $75. You get to pick the topic and come on the show and be the co-host. And one is, um, I think for $25, you pick the t- topic, and Chris and I will talk about it. And then I threw one in there for like $10 where... You give us an album, and uh, Chris and I will review it and talk about it for a little bit on one of our podcasts. So uh, if that if that's something you're interested in, I'm going to post the link. And once again, the money does not go to us. Chris and I are paying our own way to go to this, but uh, it helps to go to the promoters that uh, are going to put this on because uh, it's it's not cheap, and uh, we need to make sure that they, uh, that they are covered financially. So Chris, I guess it was last Friday, um, eight days ago, our boy Brian Fallon put out an album called uh, Sleepwalkers, and uh, I know you and I both pre-ordered it and got it on the same day, I guess, from Amazon, and uh, he did not disappoint. No, he didn't. Now, you know, I will. I like it a lot, a whole lot. I, I love that album. Highly recommend it. I, um, I like Painkillers better, his first one. I mean, full disclosure, now that I've had a couple of weeks to, or a week to live with this thing, yeah, I hate to say what I think as soon as it's released, you know, because then you're just excited to hear it and, and all. But after living with it for a week or so, I, def- I definitely like Painkillers better, but I really like this album. I like this album a lot. And um, I think Painkillers was probably a little bit more chill of an album. Um, had the, I think you could kind of hear the, uh, maybe some of that, pop, that poppy element that I thought, I thought Butch Walker added to it. This one, some of the songs, uh, like you and and uh, Kaden have both said, they could be on Gaslight albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I like I like it. I mean, for me, I just you know, songs, and I'll let you go and say what you have about it next. But if your prayers don't get if your prayers don't get to heaven, forget me not, Etta James, see you on the other side. Those are my favorites. With Etta James, probably edging the the win, maybe narrowly. But that's probably my favorite track on the album. Just uh, it's got that typical Brian Fallon just emotion in it, and that that's that's what I love about it. That's why one of the many things I love about him, gifted gifted songwriter. Like I said to you and Kate the other day, I think Brian Fallon and Butch Walker are two of the best you know songwriters in America that most people really don't know about. You know. Butch may Butch may have nearly a million, you know, followers on Twitter, but go ask somebody if they know who he is. Yeah, I'd say it's about a ninety-nine percent chance they're going to say no. Yeah, but it's a good chance they've heard something he's produced or written. Yeah, and I, and I think Fallon's kind of the same way. You know, he's a just a gifted, gifted songwriter, and you know, people that are music enthusiasts, yeah, they know who he is, but most don't. Do you feel like um, that he he's in like a happier place for this album? Because I get that sense; it's a lot more positive, I thought, than um, Painkillers. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't. Yeah, Painkillers. I, I don't know if that was, if there was still emotion from the breakup on that record. I, I don't know. Um, I hadn't really thought about it to be honest. But you know, the fact that I just said Painkillers is a little bit more of a mellow record. This one is definitely more, more upbeat. I would say, yeah, it's possible. Sure. 
yeah, I really like it. I, I got it, uh, like I said, opening day. Now, the two singles that he had, well, two of the three singles that he had released, Forget Me Not and uh, If Your Prayers Don't Get to Heaven, um, I had kind of worn those out before the album ever came out, to be honest with you. They're both great songs. Um, I'm like you. I love Etta James. I love song number three, uh, Come Wonder With Me. Um, and um, I'm really fond of the last three songs, Neptune, Watson, and See You on the Other Side. See You on the Other Side is a very touching song and we talk about you know his ability to share his emotions and it come across in a way that you kind of feel it um etta james and see you on the other side are definitely two examples of uh of that if you ask me yes definitely so check 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 it out check out mountain and if you like it then you're probably going to love painkillers as well get that and you know buy everything by Castlight Am. Go down that rabbit hole. Uh, hopefully, um, I'm going to be seeing him in a couple of weeks in New Orleans, so uh, may have a concert review for that. Well, so the Gaslight Anthem is getting back together for a few shows um, in during the summer, and they're going to do the 59 Sound album from top to bottom. And uh, so Chris and I, <laughs> I guess, I think are one of a handful of people that are actually able to get tickets to these shows. Um and uh, we got tickets to see him in uh, Chicago in August, and so it had on the it had on the the ticket or the website who was going to be opening for him, and a guy by the name of Matt Mays is going to be opening for him, and uh, you know, uh, not to toot mine and Chris's own horn, but it's kind of rare these days between me or Chris us not to be aware of somebody, wouldn't you say, Chris? At least have heard them between the two well, of yeah. us. Yeah, and as far as with me, you know, when it's in that vein of music, yeah, for me especially, you know, because that's a lot of the stuff that I listen to. And, um, yeah, I mean, and and it's just always, if if there's somebody that I, if there's somebody that I really, really like and really want to go see, then I research who their opener is. And I don't do that just for any band. You know, if somebody's, some band's playing, say, Memphis, this coming Thursday. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be cool. But I'm not like just a mega fan. Chances are I'm not going to try to find out who the opener is. But yeah, somebody like Brian Fallon, Gaslight Anthem, Social Distortion, which gets like the best openers ever. Yeah, I'm always curious. And um, sounds like Brian Fallon's going to start going down that road of Social Distortion, just getting killer, killer openers. Yeah, because we, we uh, I think I think Chris was actually the first one to go look him up. And, he, and I was... You know, had already saw who he was, hadn't had a chance to listen to his music yet, and Chris was sent me a text and it's like, you know, you really need to check this out. It's really good. And so uh, he has a new album out, which I just bought, and then I bought um, one of his older albums with a that he had with a band called El Tor- Torpedo, I think. Anyway, it is just good music. Um, the both of those albums are 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 very uh, are very good top to bottom and not a lot of songs to skip and uh, he's from Canada and um I think he's had varying degrees of success up there but um we've never heard of him and so um I'll be honest with you I mean I'm on the anticipation scale seeing Gaslight Anthem's a 10 seeing him right now is probably about an 8 as far as me being excited about it so uh I mean Chris you have I know you have the the new album and you really like it as well, don't you? Yeah, no, I like it a lot. That's why when I first when I sampled it, I just went to um, I went to Apple Music, you know, and they always they always star the most popular songs. And New York City Girls was 
the main one. And um, it just kind of, I mean, honestly, it just blew me away. And I ordered the album just after listening to that song. And I didn't need to hear more. That was that was enough. But that song is, uh, that one and then Faint of Heart. I mean, they're all good. But yeah, it's just a really, really solid album. Um, I don't know how I'd really describe it. I mean, he's a singer-songwriter, but it's more it's more rock yeah. than anything. Yeah. Well, one of our listeners who lives in uh, Toronto, uh, Robert, who I communicate with on social media a lot, kind of compared him a little bit to Tom Petty. Um, some but of you could say that, but yeah, and that's that's fair. Just like Brian Fallon, you could say is a, a Tom Petty or. Which Walker is a Tom Petty, you know, because they kind of write those poppy, you know, hooky songs. So, right. yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so if you're listening, uh, go check out Matt Mays. You won't be disappointed. And then, uh, real quick, uh, an album came out uh, Friday. I actually got it in the mail on the pre-order Thursday. Uh, John Karabi doing the Motley Crue 94 self-titled album, uh, Top to Bottom. Uh, it was recorded live in Nashville, and... Um, it's a. I love that album to begin with, but it's just a great performance by him and this band. And then uh, Michael Wagner, who Chris and I met at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo, uh, one of the most legendary music producers. Uh, he mixed the album, and uh, just about everywhere you go, where you're reading reviews on it, his you know it, the production value is being uh, is being mentioned. It's just it's just mixed so well. But yeah, it's, so it's the. 94 crew album and uh it's really really good his band was awesome um I, you know there was apparently he didn't think they were going to be able to pull off the song welcome to the numb and had to do some he had to be convinced i think by the band that they could do it and uh you know they pull it off flawlessly and it sounds great so if you're a fan of john karabi or you're a fan of that uh 94 crew album uh go pick it up you you won't be disappointed um the reviews on it have been great so and chris chris actually got to see him on that tour um so he had told me how good he sounded anyway before, before i even got the record yeah maybe i'll give you maybe we can post a video on the youtube but i have I had a few on the phone but but no it was it was really cool it's cool experience seeing him you know and playing that record and standing <laughs> literally right in front of him as he played it. It was it was cool. The band was tight. Uh, his kid was playing drums. Um, that actually kind of reminded me of Tommy Lee, just super thin, the tats, kind of longer hair. I don't remember even wore, he even wore a cap like Tommy Lee will do. So, But anyway, it's, yeah. uh, it, was, it, was, it was a really cool show. And that, that one, at that show, they, they, he played, he played um, Man in the Moon at the end, which was oh, that's cool. super, super cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. So if you're listening to it, uh, go get that. So um, I don't know how many people that have a podcast are going to tell you to go by Brian Fallon, Matt Mays, and uh, John Karabi, Motley Crue, 94 Live, all in the same podcast. But we're going to do that. So Chris and I kind of, mainly me, was kind of thinking of a topic we could do this week. And uh, one of the, the... Things I was thinking about, you know, the president every year gets to give the State of the Union address, and uh, Chris and I are going to kind of give a state of the music industry, uh, have a discussion about that uh, today. There's a lot of, you know, in the last couple of weeks, there's a lot of news that's come down as far as like how it's going to affect you getting music and paying for it, and um, and you know, the, the industry going forward. I, I guess I'll just say, Chris. Um, 
there's probably never been a better time to be a music fan as far as like access, but also it's a horrible time to be a fan because you, when you do go to a concert or you do anything else, you're getting gouged because the the record industry is just not turning a profit anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I was just telling you before we got started on this, I saw the White Buffalo and um, just this past Friday. People don't, if you're not familiar with him, check him out. He's awesome. But um, he, did a, he did a bunch of the musicals on, on Sunday Anarchy. But anyway, this guy, is, uh, he's playing small clubs. He had, a, he had a really big turnout, really big turnout. I was surprised at how, how big it was. But I look over and I see the T-shirts are 25 bucks, And, you know, they're normally, seems like for little club shows, $20. And that's just that's just a small sample of what we're seeing. They're having to bump them up more and more and more. And I don't think they're doing it just because yeah, you know, they're being it's greedy. It's just they're they've got to find other other ways to make income because they sure as hell aren't doing it by selling the records. No, uh, uh-uh. you know the CD market is about to go you know go away. Uh, it was just news in the last couple of weeks that Best Buy will quit carrying CDs and Target will quit carrying CDs and. Um, that makes me very uh, that makes me very sad, Chris. Me too. You know, it's the format that you and I really grew up on. You know, you had people that kind of grew up on eight tracks, and then this cassette, our vinyl and cassettes, and uh, I guess I don't know. I I've always been partial to CDs just because they're so practical. You know, they I know the artwork is smaller, but you can still read it. Right, the sound quality. I just think that you know, Mike and I, or Mike, kind of touched on this last week. If you're gonna, somebody's gonna get vinyl. If you if you want to, say you say you are one of what I feel is one of the few that can really truly hear a difference. Because I don't believe most people truly hear that difference. You know, may, people may say I'm crazy, but I really don't think they do. But if you are going to really hear that that difference in sound quality, well, you've got to have a sound system that's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars we're not talking about a $300 player you know and a set of $500 speakers that's not going to get the job done and CDs were just to me they were just just the fact that like I said the the practicality of them uh, you could just throw them in your car then we had the little visors that were always up um being able to burn them back to back it was a way it just like the name says compact you have this huge collection. It really doesn't even take up much room. And um, I don't know. It's what I grew up on. I, they're affordable. They're more affordable than ever now. And it's going to always be my preferred method, always. And yeah. I know I know that's not a popular opinion, but it's it's mine. You know, it's it's something to be said for going to the music store and searching through the CD bin. And, you know, we talked on this podcast before. Like I bought... <laughs> I bought the Steelheart album without ever hearing them because I thought the album cover looked cool. You know, same like Scott Ian said he bought the first Maiden record. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a million other people that have the same thing, and it's just something to be said for going and and buying it. You know, and and the rush of getting in your car and unwrapping it, putting your CD player, and then you know you're sitting in the parking lot, you've got the you know you've got it cranked up. And let's say it's an album, you know, one of your favorite bands. You know, and you you got it cranked up, and you go, oh, I'm going to look at the artwork here. So you open up the CD booklet, you know, and you see, oh, Michael Wagner produced that. That's cool. Oh, yeah, you want to see who produced it, yeah. see who endorses them. 
all of that. Yeah. Oh, it was recorded at Arden Studios in Memphis. Oh, that's not far from where I am, you know? And, and you know, most of the time you got to see the lyrics. You could look on there and see, hey, you know, they play Gibson guitars, makes a boogie amps, you know, things like that. And you really, you know, before you had the internet and Wikipedia, that's how you got your, a lot of your music knowledge. Oh, without a doubt. You look, at, you look to see who they think. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and, and look, the thing is, that that's still, if the CD does completely go away, yeah, that's still, there's a physical product that exists in vinyl. Um, like I said, I've just, I've got a lot of reasons why I haven't got into that, you know, and I haven't jumped on that bandwagon. And, of course, that's part of it. I think it is a bandwagon thing. You know, I, um, there's a few people that are just totally into it, have been into it their whole lives, that they never stop. But a lot of it's kind of a fad. And I think it's, uh, I think that people, what they're great for, what I really see vinyl is great for is just if you want to be a collector. But for me, it's almost like, man, it's too late for that. You know, I, I'd have to go, I got at least a hundred albums I'd have to replace immediately. And you know, what's that, what's that going to cost me at least three grand? Right. Cause you know, not, not only, you know, not only are they doing away with CDs, but the prices of vinyl, like most vinyl that you get now, that's brand new and you release is over 20 bucks. Well, they're, they're yeah. And there, there's only a few, there's only a few plants really that are making it, you know, and maybe if people more and more and more people get into it, then maybe it will drop down to it's about 15. But when you say twenty bucks, a lot of them are way more than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm talking twenty five, thirty, and you know, unless they can get that production up more and more, then that's not going to change. And I don't know that production. I don't know that vinyl is really going to get much more than this very, very select niche market. And the pro- the problems that I have with it is just, you know, you you couldn't. You couldn't pull, I know, and I know they're coming with digital downloads, but it's kind of tedious to do all that. Get your record, then you got to go put it, you know, do an upload, then put it onto your iPod or put it onto a disc. So it's not really practical. You can't, can't throw your vinyl in the car and go. And we always talk, already talked about the expense. Um, people wanted to get, everybody talks about how great the quality is, but everybody wanted to move away from them because they got scratched. Right. You know, you couldn't stack them on top of the other. It would right. damage them. And so... It's weird that like something that everybody said was so impractical. That's what everybody wants to go back to, you know. It's like I, like I heard Howard Stern tell Gary, like you, you churn your own butter. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just I don't know. And I'm I think I'm a lot of people don't agree with me on that. And if, but if vinyl is what you're into, great. But I think now that we have vinyl, it's going to stay just as a collect kind of a collector, a small group. CDs, like you said, are going away. Now all we have is, you know, streaming and digital downloads, and I know you were going to talk about that part of it. But you know, cars, new cars being made don't have CD players in them. I know. You know my I mom, haven't. My mom has a new one; doesn't have it. I have an Apple computer. Apple's new computers aren't going to have CD drives in them. And you know, I'm just sitting here looking. Uh, I'm recording this in my man room, and I'm sitting over here looking at my CD collection. I see like ten or fifteen Black Crow's bootlegs. You know that that I bought through, um, uh, you know, a Black Crow site, but they aren't, you know, available to the general public, so you can't stream them. You know, you can't get them. So, uh, you know, obviously those, the, a lot of the Nugs.net and a lot of those people have moved to downloads, but still, you're 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 taking away an avenue of getting music, and um, I don't know, it's just uh, it's frustrating, and it's frustrating when you 
that we've gone to just basically a singles driven market you know people releasing once one or two songs and that being it and i was reading when i was preparing for this that joe perry recently said that he just doesn't understand why people even make new music anymore and i always kind of considered aerosmith to be one of those bands that was almost bulletproof because they just had such a strong following but when they released their albums four or five years ago it was their first album of original material in like 12 or 13 years it hardly sold you know and he's like we put just as much time into that album as it or or more than we did you know any of our you know classic albums and there's just no return on it so well, he's he, got a couple things going against him too though on that and i understand what he's saying but not only is it just people aren't really buying but i mean i i, I know they're one of the classic legendary bands but they're just What's ha- what happened to them has happened to every band. You know, it eventually runs its course. You know, or people aren't going to buy. Just like people, you know, people stop really caring about the. St- I mean, not everybody, but a lot of people stop caring about the Stones, and Stones weren't really being played on on the radio in the last couple of records. So that part of it happens. But then it's yes, yeah, the double whammy of, you know, nobody's nobody's interested in buying, and so why am I going to do this? You know, and at this point, I think you got to do it because of the love of it. Right. And, or and, or it's a reason to tour. Yeah, exactly. And if you're not going to tour, then, yeah, absolutely, why put out another record? Well, you're not going to make money, that's for sure. But on the other end, one of the things that confuses me is you have artists like Metallica, Taylor Swift, and Adele that can still sell a million physical copies. And I don't understand like what it is about them that drives... You know, I know Taylor Swift doesn't like to have her stuff put up on the streaming site, so that's you know that's obvious. But you know, Metallica sold a lot of of uh, physical product of hardwired to self destruct, and I just don't understand why people still do that for them and not other people. Do you? Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I really don't. Now, you know, one can you can make the argument on some of them, especially somebody. Especially somebody where you know, like a, one of the really big bands that you get. A lot of times you get into. Country is real big about this. You know, people don't. For whatever reason, I don't think people are doing downloads as much. They're not. You know, and they, we'll get to that. And they like the physical product, and so they're going to always buy them. You know, is it maybe is, is it maybe has a little bit to do with a band like that that's so big that reaches across Middle America, and maybe Middle America is still going to their Walmart. I don't know. Could be. I don't know, but it, but it, but it is a good question you pose. You know why? Why if you're okay? So if you like Metallica, then I don't know. What's a, what's another? I'm trying to think of somebody that's really mainstream that puts out. Why don't you, know, you Why don't you go do that for rock. Why don't you go do that for Green Day? Yeah, yeah. There's a good example. You know, there's a very mainstream band that's going to have some of the some crossover fans. So yeah, that's a good point, and I don't. I don't know, you know, it's, but even those, you know, you think about Taylor Swift, however many records she sold of the last one, and I don't know what it was. I know it was still very impressive, but man, what was she, the last, that, that last big record was called 1989. What if that album had to come out in 1989? Right. If you, if you, if you I'd like to see somebody translate those numbers into 1989. Man, it, it would have to be at least 10 million. Oh, it would be up there with like Beat It and not beat it but it'd be up there with like hysteria and appetite for destruction i'm sure yeah i mean it would be really high i mean if you can sell over if you can sell over a million in these times then 
that's no small feat. So you mentioned, the, you know, the pay for downloading. Uh, there's rumors that iTunes is going to stop that in um, 2019. Apparently, digital download sales are, are steadily dropping uh, over the last few years. But also vinyl, though, when I, what I was reading was that vinyl has increased 12 years in a row. And uh, it, it accounted for 14 million albums, vinyl albums sold last year. But that's kind of tricky. When you go and look at the top 10 vinyl albums from last year, most of them from like the Beatles, um, <coughs> older bands. Um, it kind of plays into the nostalgia aspect of it, right? Right. You know that the, the album, the album concept itself is nostalgia. There, so let's get a nostalgic band, right? That's a good point. Um, I use iTunes. I, I still use it uh, from time to time. Uh, most of the time, I order my music through Amazon. Uh, and if it's a new album, you know, you get the physical album sent to you and you get, like, you know, an automatic download. But um, I, I don't understand, Chris, why record companies agree to put music on like Spotify and Apple Music. Because I was reading this figure, maybe wrong, but the figure I read said that every time a song is listened to on like Spotify, the artist gets point zero 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 six four cents. And I don't understand why record companies are are putting that out there like that because you're just you're just cheapening what you the product you already have to sell. Yeah, I don't know, you know, and I'm, you know, if they stop, if if they're starting with, the, I mean, I may I may eventually be forced to go into the vinyl. I mean, if they take away CDs and then I can't even go get a download, which I don't do a whole lot of, like you, I don't do a whole lot of downloading myself. I just don't want to be left to streaming. I just don't. You know, I like to have it. I like to have it in my hands. And, you know, it just, I don't know. It, it, it sucks. I mean, I sit here and I look at my, uh, my massive CD collection. I'm sitting in this room right now. I uh, I had a, uh, a date last night. She comes in and she sees my CD collection and was just amazed. I mean, just blown away. Just couldn't believe this collection and all. It's like, man, and, and, Pretty soon, I can't add to this. Right, sucks. Depresses me. <laughs> I agree, and a byproduct of all this is the frustration that you and I have with uh, the concert industry. You know, it was an act of Congress to get these um, Gaslight Anthem tickets. We we missed out on the presale. We were both online when it went online, and then so you need to get a little bit more in depth on that. How that worked out, you know, with the presale. When you, you get a little bit in depth of how we did that when the actual release date. Oh yeah, on the actual on the actual release date. So Chris was online, I was online, and one of my coworkers was online. And uh, when it hit noon, Chris hit refresh first. I don't have anything. I hit refresh second. I don't have anything. My coworker hits it third and, and got the tickets. And uh, immediately we went online, and you know everybody was upset. You know I, I I couldn't get any tickets. You know, and that's just for a Gaslight Anthem show. And, yeah, it was a teamwork effort. Three yeah. of us trying at the exact same time. And when I didn't get anything at first, mine did. I was able to select four. And then when I clicked to proceed, it said no tickets available. You didn't even make it that far. No, I got three I, of us all doing the same time. And you know, we got we got lucky. Most people didn't. You know, and and it's getting to where you know you have to be a member of a fan club for the presale. And then I've done that and still gotten terrible tick terrible seats. And then one of the kind of dirty little secrets that I'm finding out 
is that a lot of bands will go on and buy the premium seats themselves and then somehow, I guess through a third party, sell them on like StubHub or, you know, Ticketmaster's resale site, which I think is, if you want to do that, that's fine. It's completely within your power. Just make it known that you're doing that because it's frustrating, like for somebody like Chris and I, who are, you know, legitimate fans of Gaslight Anthem, and now, you know, it may just be somebody that heard that's going to be a cool thing to go to, and they call and get the best seats. Now, that's a bad example because um, it's a general admission, but I'm going to see Noel Gallagher here in a couple of weeks, and uh, that that could very well be the be the case for somebody like him, you know, where it's uh, you have assigned seating. And so they're, they're raising the prices on everything, and then... <laughs> They're also taking advantage of, of people by buying the tickets themselves and then reselling them for higher values, which that just frustrates the stew out of me. Yeah, if that's happening, and I don't know, I, don't, I mean, if it's happening, I'm curious how they how they do that, you know, how they're able to get uh, somehow some back, you know, there's some, there's some back office deal being done to where they're able to get so many tickets to be able to sell if that's happening. Right. But if that, if, if you are doing that, if, if you're going to charge me, you know, we paid you know, about 50 bucks for these tickets. If that's going to be the case, then charge $75 and give everybody a chance. Right. You know, I mean, I, I'll pay the 75 because if I hadn't have got this ticket, I would have paid the 100 I think now it's up to about 130 bucks on StubHub. Yeah. I would have paid the 130 Yeah. So just, just start out with the price that you want to pay, you know, or that you want to receive. Do it, whatever it's going to take for you to turn a profit and make more money. Just do it. And another thing that's being done to increase the the profit ratio are these VIP meet and greets or, um, you know, these packages. Like one of my coworkers got tickets to go see Bon Jovi. They had a fourteen hundred dollar ticket package that you could get to see Bon Jovi. Man, that's insane. <coughs> it's some of them are affordable. I know you have one of them coming up, and I saw, you know, I'm going to see the Afghan Wigs in Dallas coming up, and. Uh, in May, and I probably should have just got there. There's this, I think it's only about 150 bucks. You get a, a T-shirt, I guess, sound check, um, meet the band, all that. I was like, oh, that's actually not a bad deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm going to see 1400 bucks, man? Yeah. I'm, I'm not paying Bon Jovi to sit in my backyard for 1400 bucks. Well, I'm, I'm paying 150 to see... Uh, Chris Robinson, and that includes my ticket, which is that, you know, throw that in, and I get a picture taken with him, and he'll sign something or whatever. That's fine. But you see, like, some of these other packages, I've seen it where, like, for, like, Noel Gallagher, you don't even get to meet him, and it's, like, $400. You're guaranteed to see, like, the first eight rows, and, like, there's a traveling Noel Gallagher museum you get exclusive access to, you know, and you get, like, a laminate and a T-shirt or something like that. But crazy, it, it is. Um, it's just... Uh, the music industry, I hate to sound like an old codger, but it's just not how it was when we were growing up. Yeah, well, I've got, and i got a couple more things I was going to talk, say, mention, too. Just, you know, there was, <laughs> I don't know where this article is. If anybody that's listening is curious, I'm sure you can Google. There's there's a band, these, you know, it's a really young band out of Chicago. They put out their third record. They're called the Orwells, and um, highly recommend them. Great, great band, especially that second record, but Disgraceland. Yep, Disgraceland. But anyway, there was an article, and you could probably Google this. I don't know how you'd get there, but Google Orwell's um, showcase, Orwell's showcasing for video, TV, whatever. But it was a really interesting read. 
and they're talking about, you know, where there's always the big you know, showcases for record labels and all that. Now they're having these big showcases where they're playing in front of big industry guys for for TV and gaming. And because that's now, that's where the money is. Yeah. You're not going to get them on the record sales. But maybe you can get yours on, you know, some racing video game. Or maybe you can get on some, you know, drama on AMC. And that's where they're kind of, so then now they're actually playing showcases for those things. And it was a really interesting read talking about the whole thing of how it came about and playing in, in some, you know, rich mogul's backyard on a, uh, it's kind of a makeshift stage they had back there. Um, that's just another thing that they're doing that's kind of changing where they're, and, and I get it. I mean, they're trying to make ends meet. And then the other one is, um, and you understand this more, so I was going to have you explain it, but I recently saw that, you know, we've talked about, you know, Michael Graves in the past, you know, used to sing for the Misfits. Michael Graves, he, he put out on, on a Twitter a few days ago that, you know, he has three kids and, you know, he's on the road about nine months a year. And he's saying it's, it's tough on him and he wants to be around his kids more. And so he said one thing he's doing and he's hoping the fans will get with him on this is, uh, correct me, David, I'm saying this, if I'm saying this incorrectly, but pa- Patreon. Patreon, yeah. Patreon, and um, so he's giving giving fans a chance to go on to that, and and you know, and I'll probably sign up just because a, I love the guy's music, and b, you know, uh, he just seems like a good dude that I want to support. Um, but maybe you can just explain to people that don't know what that is. It's just another avenue where people are trying to get money to, but they actually don't have to tour. You know, three hundred dates a year. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the the pledge music or GoFundMe accounts the artists would have you know to say hey i'm going to record this album if you you know give me a thousand dollars i'll give you a production credit or something like that you know or i mention you or uh you know for five hundred dollars i'll send you the guitar i used to record the song but it's called patreon and basically you're making a pledge for content so i do it for uh i'm a patreon for um uh decibel geek and so every time they release a podcast a certain amount of money gets deducted from my debit card but in return, I get, uh, you know, I'm a member of a close Facebook group. They do bonus shows only for the Patreons. Um, you know, they'll randomly send Patreons things and, and, and things of that nature. So, uh, you know, they get money from me every, um, every you know, episode they release. And so you also have artists now, so like Michael Graves, I saw where he's like going to do a podcast. He's going to, you know, hey, I'm going to. I'm going to, you know, put some exclusive content up there. So basically you're just saying, I support you. And when you, whenever you release something to this, you know, I'll give you X amount of dollars every time. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's growing in popularity and it's something, you know, they're having to do. And you see, you see artists that are pretty big name artists having to do things like GoFundMe accounts to, to record an album. And it just blows my mind. Yeah. You are seeing more of that. I mean, I, I, I think, um, you know, American Aquarium's been doing it. Uh, Lindy Ortega, her new record's still been done that way. A bunch of them have. And, and with Michael Grayson, I know his content was, I mean, it was actually pretty cool. And he says, you know, I mean, of course, you can get out of it anytime. You can, I guess, try to trim it down what you want. But yeah. like you said, monthly podcasts, he said, uh, even like just kind of the framework of songs before they even, they're even finished, but even not even quite demos. He may put those up. Um just, you know, discounts on merchandise. I think he may even get a T-shirt. All this kind of stuff. I think it's three bucks every time he does something. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's the, it's, the, it's the wave of the future, um, which I think all that's cool because you are getting some access, you know, to these people. But at the same time, uh, going down to your record store and buying a CD uh, won't be there. And uh, before you know it, it's going to be too expensive for the average person to go to a decent concert. Yeah. I mean, think about the, think, think about the big shows now, too. Oh, yeah. What did we pay for Guns N' Roses, like $150 a ticket, and we were nowhere near the stage. Yeah, and I got I got club level for Paul McCartney, and that was two seventy five. That's insane. Yeah, I mean it, it. It really is, but that's that's what you have to pay these days, you know, for the big ones. And you know, and there's 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 fortunately fortunately for me, there's very few big ones I want to see. Right. You know, because most of them I just don't I just don't listen to, and and even if I do listen to them, I'm I'm just not crazy about going to an arena show i just don't like it yeah it's it's not as much fun as a two or three thousand seat theater that's for sure no or a, or a standing room only you know yeah 500 person little small little club right i mean i love that i love that environment well everybody i think that's going to uh wrap this week's episode up um thank you for listening and be on the lookout for that gofundme link speaking of uh GoFundMe accounts for the uh, Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. If you want us to review an album, or you pick a topic, or you want to come on here and talk with two knuckleheads, uh, anyway, uh, please uh, help with that as you can. Because, uh, like I said, the money doesn't go to us; it goes to the people trying to put on the Rock and Pod Expo. So, anyway, uh, it may be another two weeks before we get back to you, but we will be back. And uh, thank you for listening. We hope everybody has a good week. Bye bye.